0: okay we're gonna cut this out but honestly both of you look completely naked right now
1: hello and welcome to the cb3 podcast we are three girls from the cb postcode bringing you cultural philosophical and nonsensical content every week hello i'm charlotte and i've just discovered a really delicious drink is hot water and cinnamon stick oh that sounds delicious it's really really tasty and so easy to do do you put any sugar in it i put lemon juice and some honey
2: Ooh, I was like, going to say, that sounds wintry, but you just made it summery. I like that a lot. Replace a lot. ginger. Mm. Well, well,
0: lovely. Well, my name is Hannah, and this week I perfected a banana pancake recipe, which I'm quite happy about. Did you sing that song by Jack Johnson as you're making them? Which song? Making banana pancakes. i do. I
1: that song. <laughs> It's a really nice,
2: it's a Sunday afternoon when it's rainy kind of song. I'm Darcy and this week I figured out that the gel I put on my face when I have a headache is just placebo because it is a foot gel after all. <laughs> and it <laughs> also leaves a blue stain on my face. So what are you going to do about it? You did look like Violet from
0: Charlotte Chocolate Factory.
1: So our theme for this week is love. And with that I'd like to start off my quarantine consumption which is somewhat on theme in that I'm reading War and Peace. But I'm also watching Money Heist, which is more based on crime and violence than love, but it's also very moving and emotional. So I would recommend both a lot. For Charlotte.
2: Moving and emotional for
0: Charlotte. My quarantine consumption is a book by Brenna zina Girl, Woman, Other, which won the Booker Prize and is Barack Obama's top 19 books of 2019, which is cool. It's a really good read and an absolute page timer, so would recommend. And then my second recommendation for this week is Brazil magazine. They recently did an issue about love called Hara Branches of Love and it is very on brand with what we're talking about this week. Full of very insightful articles and beautiful poems. Lovely.
2: My recommendations, one's on theme, one is not. The first one is receipts. Podcast interviewing Shruti Gatwa, who I've realised I've already recommended a podcast with him being interviewed on it, but that just showed my love for him because he can't ever not please me. He's fantastic. And the Receipts podcast, again, consistently brilliant content all the time. The other thing I'm going to recommend is a book, The Probability of Love by Hannah Rothschild, which is about a painting that talks about its experience through the passage of time. So starting in like 17th century until now and like all the different owners it's had. And yeah, it's really nice.
0: It's a good, light like, read. Amazing. We should do a book swap, I feel, because we often recommend books. Um, love language like, quiz? <laughs> any thoughts, any vibes? I did a couple, and each one came out with a different <laughs> response until today, and then I did it again. And it came up with quality time, which was interesting, because I thought mine was more words of affirmation.
1: But I guess a quiz online knows me better than I know myself. My first one came up with Quality Time as well. And my second one, I think, was Physical Touch, which I think I agree with both of them. Obviously, they are true because I presume that quizzes are correct, but I feel like that was not something that I have just discovered. I feel like that's quite self-explanatory.
2: I actually, I don't know, I think mine's changed because I remember when I first did this in sixth form, it was different. My one is Word Affirmation, which kind of disappointed me a bit because I thought that was to do with my self-esteem and how I like to be validated. But then maybe that's part of what love means to me anyway. Maybe like when I'm forty and established with four businesses and like a law degree, I'm like, I'll still
0: need words of affirmation. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe that's what it is. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess the ones you choose in the quiz are the ones that you face importance
1: in, and not the ones you take for granted, which is probably how it works. Also, this is completely unrelated, but I wanted to talk about whilst we're talking about quizzes, the Harvard Implicit Test. I'm not sure if either of you have done it but it's really interesting to do and it's all to do with uh, your discrimination. Obviously nothing to do with love but whilst we're talking about tests, I just thought it was quite interesting and it teaches you about your subliminal discrimination towards certain groups and it's really interesting to find out because often you don't realise that you might discriminate against um, a certain person but then when you find that out then you can sort of act upon it and be like oh well. I didn't realise that I subliminally discriminated against that person. What am I going to do? Or that kind of group of persons. What am I going to do to overcome that? So does the quiz work in a similar way to the love
0: languages one in the sense that it gives you options? Like what means more to you? This, this, or this, or this?
1: So it's all to do with... um, Oh, what's it called? Association. So you'll have two different letters on your keyboard and then you have to tap them as quickly as you can so it's all to do with reaction times and then i don't really understand how it does that so you can't sort of cheat or like try and please society or whatever which is why it works really well and you just get given two different people and they switch them around to try and reduce the bias that you might have that sounds so interesting but now that i've gone off on that shall we bring it back to love and answer some questions so this week on Charlotte's webinars, I've got three questions on self-love, platonic love and romantic love. So my first question being, do you think that the commercial oh my goodness. It's not that good. <laughs> commercialization of self-love has meant the loss of its activist roots? And the reason we're talking about self-love and activism is with their relationship towards feminism.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that is a key aspect of Just the idea of self-love in general, for example, in the words of Audre Lorde, 1988, she said that caring for myself is not a self-indulgence, it is a self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare. So basically this is just explaining the idea that um, self-care and accepting yourself and embracing your vulnerabilities is a way of fighting against an impressive culture or violent culture that tells you that you aren't worth anything and I think bringing that to just the experience of women in general constantly in the media and also within the way I think people have been conditioned you're taught to see yourself in certain ways and what is good body image what is bad body image and i think that accepting and learning to love parts of yourself that society has told you isn't i don't know attractive or or worthy of care is definitely a form of both self-love and fighting against this societal pressure and i guess oppression in a way and the commercialization of self-care has just meant that it's kind of lost that aspect and it's all about (laughs) face masks and taking a bath which is all very useful and all very good but it takes away from the actual meaning of what it is to self-care and self-love it's not just like an instant feeling it's working on yourself within the context of society and um, for your own mental well-being.
1: I think also it's worth noting that Audrey Love was a self-described black lesbian mother which I think is would have been why she saw it as political warfare in that in a world that does favour the average white middle-class straight man she was that self-love was necessary for I mean I think all people but also I think that's important to acknowledge. I think it's also obviously not to the same extent because we are all
2: white but I think there's a general thing about people who identify as female as well having this thing of like just from the very beginning they are a politicised so people I think more so in specific places, but if you're born a woman and socialized into a woman and conditioned to speak and act like a woman, already you're being groomed to fit a certain standard. For example, some people say like having female friends is nicer than having male friends, and that's not necessarily anyone's fault, but it's always at the thing of like some people have more emotionally complex relationships or conversations with their friends and you're like we can't all have been born with that like that has something had to happen along the way for there to be such a difference between like therapizing a boyfriend and having a normal conversation with a friend where you both end up not crying like I found my relationship with my male friends and my female friends very different in that in that matter and they're like when I ask a male friend something specific or something intimate they're not always comfortable to tell me which is fine that's obviously up to them but also I'm never sure how many people they have to tell that sort of thing to. Whereas with female friends, it's almost like, shut up, like, you're telling me way too much. Like, but I think also that's the thing of like, is it, I think you said this yesterday of like the power to say no. Like, not all women are ready to take on the emotional labour of everyone around them. And I find I think it's a good thing that self care does come into that as well of like setting your boundaries tight when you figure out what they are, because otherwise you will literally exhaust yourself. Like, a lot of the, I was reading about this in, it's such a rare example. Michelle Obama's book, she talks about, Barack Obama before he was a political presence in the sense that he was a community leader, which is still political, but just not like in the formal political circuit. And he was saying that a lot of his colleagues don't stop because they don't want to stop helping, but they're just exhausted because their entire job is caring about people. And that's not to say they're all men because that's not true, obviously, but there is a situation of like certain women who've been caring for a lot of people throughout their lives just seem to age so much faster because the stress and distress and the emotions they carry just seem to be so much heavier than those around them. I think
0: what you said about setting boundaries is really important. What you said in general just goes back to the idea that I think, especially going back to Charlotte's question, the commercialisation of Self-love has made it very individualistic when I think, especially if you regard the growth of the movement before this, it's definitely about changing systems that are causing this harm and causing the need for people to be constantly conscious of self-love and self-care. And I think that nowadays it's become quite solitary when, in fact as we are all aware through establishing meaningful connections with people and helping other people you are also helping yourself because you learn from different situations that are positive although setting boundaries if you're exhausted with doing that is so beyond fair there's also has to be this like recognition that having relationships with
1: other people is a form of self-care i think also it's worth pointing out that self-care recently has been made into physical products now and this can be very much seen as romanticizing basic self-care and makes even hygiene seem glamorous which of course it can be but it also makes it seem to be overindulging which can make it seem less comfortable to do so obvious example of a face mask seemed to be something really really important and sort of something that you should only do when you really really need it whereas like if you need to do that every week you do that every week that's not something that you should have trouble doing i think that that is something that the recent commercialization has brought do you not think that an example is for example
0: university i don't know about you guys but from what i see of what is regarded self-care at uni it's kind of like you abuse your body throughout the week going to bed late substances that you ingest with alcohol other working yourself too hard all these things and then you put on a face mask and then you're like self-care self-care but in reality, it's kind of just like putting a plaster on a broken cup. Like, you have to repeat this and make it a constant action instead of a one-off that's meant to fix all. And when you yourself are still, I don't know, emotionally stunted or your body is still in a, in a bad way, one
1: face mask, like you said, is just not going to solve all. I completely agree. I think it makes self-care seem as to be a really unhealthy coping mechanism because I don't think it is really properly addressing the roots of where self-care came from. And it seems to be this sort of topical, superficial thing nowadays, which I think completely takes away from its original purpose.
2: I think it's also worth pointing out that like what you said earlier about being indulgent or like sort of just doing one thing to sort of a massive problem, which is like general health as opposed to one hangover, comes into a sort of guilt thing of like making people feel guilty for taking decisions like doing a silly face mask or like taking extra long on their skincare regime. But also comes into this thing of frivolity, like things that aren't absolutely necessary. But I think it's interesting that that happens. To them. Like there are so many things that we do that aren't absolutely, absolutely necessary, especially university. There's no need for us to go out every week. Like there's no, like we don't. Our careers aren't boosted. Our degrees aren't like aren't enhanced. But we're just like this is a good time. And I mean it's an investment of our money and time because we will have a fun time. And also hangovers are rough. Like if you need a face mask, you take you have a face mask. It's not frivolous because. Anyone who's had a hangover knows you need the absolute comfort immediately. You need fried food. You, knew, you do need a face mask. You need a long shower after you've had the alcohol sweats so you can actually smell and feel and like spiritually know that you're clean, right? So self-care in that sense, I'm like, that's not self-care. That's just care. That's just working with your body that's dehydrated and smells and will continue to smell until like 5 p.m. the next day, okay? So that's the least you can do. And I, I really have an issue with people calling it privilege.
0: My sister and I have got into a um, self-care Friday mode where we both put on face masks. We wear our Jewish mother's obsession of matching pyjamas in our room. We do some yoga and just, you know, breathe, reset, calm down. It's lovely.
1: (laughs) And Hannah, I noticed you spoke about your sister there. Which kind of love do you consider most important leading from that?
0: In regards to my sister, she's awful. I'm joking. She's great. Most important type of love is definitely family love. Because at the end of the day, friends come and go. Boyfriends, partners come and go. But at least in my position, my family's always there. And they always love me as long, you know, as long as you don't go on a murdering spree. They're pretty forgiving about everything and they care about you deeply. Definitely family love for me.
2: Darcy, what do you think? I
0: kind of agree and I kind
2: of disagree in the sense that family love for me doesn't necessarily mean just my family. There are some bonds that I think I'm going to have for the rest of my life, which obviously I know I'm only 21, who knows what's going to happen. There's some people I've had in my life, but also I appreciate, as a concept, I think I prefer friend love, just because not all families are healthy relationships. And I'm not talking about my own. I have a very healthy relationship with my family, and I'm very pleased that I do, because I appreciate a lot of people, especially at this age, are having some ugly realisations about the dynamics in their families, and marriages, and like siblings, and just general resentments. People, you Things you didn't realise when you were younger, because obviously you were younger. you're a bit naive and now you're like this is almost a rude awakening into like how ugly things can be also the whole thing about like who gets rejected from their family with certain information through the jobs ideology sexuality identity like loads of things like that and the ultimate thing that comes up actually a lot in pose you make a million episodes here is um you can choose your family once you've been rejected from the biological base you can choose your own family but I think an abstract way of looking at it, I would prefer to have family love that includes both in the sense that like my friendships can also feel like family love. I'm lucky to say there are a few people right now who I wouldn't do a murdering spree per se, but I'd do something bad and they wouldn't, they'd judge me but they wouldn't stop being my friend
0: because they find a way to support me that's Not an invitation, <laughs> but I love it how the example we're given for a possible reason why your like friends and family wouldn't love you the murdering spree is like a zero to hundred. Here, but
2: it's, the thing is, this is the thing like, it's the absolute limit. Like, what is the condition on unconditional love? Yeah. And you how many people have protected, like, I don't know, Nicki Minaj is dating like an alleged rapist, she's defended quite heavily, and she does that publicly. So, imagine what people are doing privately.
0: So, in terms of the most important love for you, is family love, but that's not limited to blood ties
2: yeah also because it's worth saying that like some families excusing the exceptions i've mentioned there some families just aren't close
1: charlotte what do you think i would say on a selfish level in regards to the love that i receive i would say that family love and a friend's love is the most important because i've never known my life without that i've always been very very lucky to receive love from my family I presume it's unconditional I haven't yet done anything to break that (laughs) But (laughs) but I would say that on a bigger level I would say agape or what's understood as being universal love because I think that the idea of that of having love for a stranger is so important and so strong and is I think what makes the world function so we move on to our <laughs> third question, which is, how important is it to you that your friends or family like your partner? And by partner, I mean romantic partner.
0: So for me, it's changed over time. I come from quite an involved family. There's not a lot of privacy and everyone has an opinion on everything. And they also have the ability to make your life difficult if they really just don't like someone and they make it known for example, my first boyfriend, they didn't really like, so they used to refer to him by different nicknames, either the boring one or meat and two veg. (laughs) Jesus, what? Um, Which he knows about, we've spoken about since, I don't think too much offence was taken. And that was a bit difficult because it meant that I felt like I couldn't, talk about all the fun things we were doing, because I felt like I had to keep on justify that he was, in fact, a good fun person to be around and was a different person when he wasn't with my family, who he was terrified of. But then I think as I've grown up, I've kind of, yeah, stand my ground more and also have seen how my family have also changed in the sense that they initially might not like someone and make it clear, but then they'll meet them again and have a completely different opinion of them. So that it's less of a, it's had less of an impact on me. But yeah, I think it's definitely also just a way of, as awful as it sounds, sort of, of testing someone. So when I bring someone home, whether it's at uni, so so my housemates, the four of us, they're my family at uni, they're my family structure. So I kind of judge the person that I'm getting to know based off how they act with my uni family and my home family because these people know me the best and also if people are able to I don't know respond well to you and have a good relationship with the people that you love then it shows them that they're willing to make an effort with them and with you. I think there's also something to be said about
2: outright confidence in in an environment where you're definitely the outsider. Normally I think the majority of my friends I've met on neutral ground so that we have like equal levels of confidence and like Can you can hear hear my mum laughing
0: yeah, well. is that like a baby for a second? I was like, what baby's sweet.
2: my mum's laugh has literally placed <laughs> us like GPS doesn't come close to mum's laugh when it comes to like placing us when we're lost. I was saying. So, when they come here, not only are they an outsider in sense that like I'm in my most comfortable, I'm my most relaxed here, they also have to contend with my family who are an intense barrage of, of personalities and opinions and weird niche knowledge that you can't really reply to, you just go with. And I think more and more, as we've grown up, and as we've realised our parents aren't the scariest people we'll ever meet, boyfriends have been less scared and less... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Hannah's really going in today. You're able to stand your own ground, even in front of two wise old people who have raised the person you love. Do you know what I mean? Like It's, it's more about respect in the way of like, how you present yourself when you're comfortable but who knows I could also just be mother's possessiveness on different people which I didn't feel with my mum because
0: as you heard she's an easy breezy woman she just laughs her way through life (laughs) (laughs) it's quite difficult sometimes I feel also to not let especially when you're younger to not let your family's opinion change the way you see the person which is definitely something that I've
1: found I don't know what have you found Charlotte? well I think that I would regard my friends and family's opinion highly if it was for good reasons so I know that my, both my friends and family have my best interests at heart and I'm really lucky for that. So I think that if they were to dislike someone, then I would trust that it was for a good reason. Especially as I know that it can be easy to ignore certain traits in unhealthy relationships. I know that in those cases, it, my mum especially, I think, would be there to point it out, not in an aggressive way, but in a sort of like protective, loving manner. As a less extreme
2: example there is an element of like there are some traits that your family will notice quite early on which you might have like conveniently ignored in order for you to enjoy their presence regardless of those flaws because you just come also because like everyone you date is going to be exactly the same as you like you will have differences anyway this thing about family dynamic as well like having a family involved in the process for example a potential partner had an issue with how involved my family are in my life i'd be like do you, have an issue, do you have an issue with that because you don't like it or because you don't have it yourself and therefore you can't relate because I'm going to need you to change perspective just for a second for my sake so you can understand where I'm coming from. And normally when my friends don't like my, friends don't like my partner, we've later discovered to be like, yeah, they were weird. And I've had that with at least two of my partners. So I, not everyone's perfect, <laughs> but also there's something to be said about like, letting your mind
1: take its own opinion without any sort of noise. I think also going back to what you mentioned Darcy earlier about a partner not understanding your relationship with your family that could come back to self-love in that they can identify that as being possible jealousy and how they deal with their emotions or how they are going to process something that they struggle with and not project it onto other people which again comes back to self-love.
2: Also because a lot of it is just like (laughs) <laughs> I like when you know when people like go, actually there's some funny tweets about how like how sort of relaxed your youth could have been if the guys you went out with had just gone to therapy when if they had just sorted out their their problems prior to meeting you and obviously that's not always accessible therapy is expensive and there's an emotional barrier to, get over, to overcome but we are from a middle class background and sometimes people just need that other voice that professional guidance to get them through this not a girlfriend and while my family is a specific example of very close. I mean, we have the same situation. but like, all of us have like a very intense, very tight knit relationship where we are very heavily invested in everyone's lives. What am I going to do for you if you don't have it in your family and you want it? I can't provide that for you, and there's no reason why you should bring that to me as a problem that we
0: have to have in our relationship. Charlotte just said, uh, "To quote Florence giffen start raising him. He ate your son." <laughs> Sorry, my voice is really high there. So much of that, <laughs> which is so true. Because also,
2: like, I reckon, like, at a younger age, it was less of a problem because we everyone needed growing. Like, sixth form was a huge experience. Like, for those who don't know, we all went to the same sixth form, and it's one of... was well, one of the biggest in the South. It's quite famous for being a really intense place to go, even though it's not private. So sixth form, both academically and, like, culturally for your personality, is a huge experience. It's a huge cultivating moment. So if you have a boyfriend and they're not acting right, that's... I kind of accept it because, like, you're both very young, or both at the very beginning stages of creating yourself and that comes from someone who did have a boyfriend all the way through 64 and by the end of it, we were Gucci, we were like, (laughs) we were fine, we were very mature but at the beginning it did feel like there was a sort of, it it didn't feel quite equal Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and because I was willing to say that it was worth it, then I kept going and I was like, this is someone I spend time with and I will eventually get to love and I did and I had very happy years with him. So also, I don't think he's listening, so I feel like it's <laughs> really embarrassing.
1: <laughs> I wonder whether that's to do with the emotional development of boys and girls, and whether it's to do with the speed of that, or whether it's just to do with in like individual emotional development of different people at different times. I'd say, Darcy, you're you definitely developed emotionally a lot faster than a lot of people that I know. From an outsider's perspective, I'm not sure if that's how you see it, but from what I think a lot of um, your friends would see, you seem to be mature a lot earlier than some other people did.
2: I think if you did it in like levels, like level one of a video game, like I think I got to level one fairly early on, like pre-puberty I'd say. Level two, yeah, mid-secondary school. So this is like getting to know yourself. But I think now in my 20s, which is like famously where you question everything you do, and you question your confidence and like what you stand for and what you want to do. I think now I'm like this is, when, this is my first proper wobble, but I don't mind it as much. Like I'm not, it doesn't rock my world like it would have done when I was 14. Also, that's a really massive compliment. Thank you so much. But then also when I'm made aware of that by boys I date, I'm like this is exhausting. How am I 21? How am I at the same point in my life in you as you? And we've had the same experiences and opportunities because again, I go to very middle class university. I'm from middle class town like we all have similar access points and you still are not developed enough to like withhold a deeper conversation about your emotions you can't tell me you're bound. like obviously there are personal struggles that come with that that's natural but aside from that I'm like there is a reason I come across mature and that's because I've developed and you could have done the same thing but you didn't so I'm gonna need you to work on yourself before bringing
0: that and that baggage Shay Darcy so now I think we should uh, move on to positivity Tips. Usually for those who have not listened to our podcast before, uh, which you should have done, positive Tips is when we just give a little example or a little tip to keep happy and healthy during this time of quarantine. And so to start us off, I think I would like to say that as I'm in the middle of the exam season right now, my positivity Tip is organising a lot of calls, and dinners and quizzes and just fun things to do with friends and family after my exams are done so i have like actual concrete plans to look forward to which is kind of difficult in this time of quarantine everything's quite fluid but um yeah it's definitely something that's keeping me
1: positive as i struggle on with these essays <laughs> my positivity tip for this week isn't necessarily positivity but it's just a tip for general well-being which is, do you remember to wash your hair? Because I forget. <laughs> and it had been a while that I hadn't washed my hair, because I feel like I need to deserve to wash my hair, because washing curly hair is quite a thing, and it takes a long time. There's a lot of brushing, a lot of conditioner, and I feel like I just, I need to know when to do it. And seeing as I'm not going outside as much, I'm not. I feel like I just lost the routine of having certain days to wash my hair. And my other tip, continuing from that part B of my tip, is to wash your hair midday, because it's the great, it's like a perfect break of your day if you wash your hair at 12, you've had your morning, you might be able to do some exercise then, wash your hair at 12, and then that's you sorted from 12 till 2, because you can't do anything from 12 till 2, because you've got wet hair, and then it's a great time to paint, draw, anything. That's my positivity tip.
2: It is so obvious you haven't got a uni or a job right now because not doing anything from 12 to two is so specific <laughs> and it's such a key moment in people's lives. <laughs> so my positive tip to counter that is um, eat comfort food. I don't have a period, so I haven't got that excuse anymore. A to be in a bad mood or B to eat food that I like.
1: So be nice to yourself. Oh, I actually have a banana bread joke. Can I read that one out?
0: Why did you open with that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only if
0: you explain why everyone's making banana bread, I just don't understand. Hannah, you're
1: part of the problem. You're also making banana bread.
0: <laughs> Pancakes. It's the difference, and it's but not of with the salt. Like Twelve bunches of bananas for
1: fifty p because they were all going brown and mouldy at the corner shop. So I made, I found this joke whilst making a PowerPoint. So the joke goes. Time flies like an arrow, but a fruit flies like a banana. Tumbleweed! You're meant to laugh.
2: I put it on. Ha ha ha
0: ha, ha, ruffle. Sorry, I just didn't have the cue. You just need to really like point when you want me to respond. (laughs) Shade!
2: Next week if you do bring one, a different one, please. Sorry? A different joke. A different joke, yeah. I thought that was (laughs) really (laughs) good. I like food jokes but I think I also didn't quite understand like I understood it but like it
1: didn't it wasn't an instant understanding. To be fair, I found it on like a page so I was reading it out, so I think it's funnier, but I tried to insert it into our Zoom chat, but you can't insert photos. Such a wow. Well thank Let you for listening to it. Oh no <laughs> <laughs> So eager. Sorry, go on. I don't want you to be um, mean about my jokes so I'll just cut you off. Thank you for listening to CB3. I've been Charlotte. I've been Hannah. I've been Darcy. Bye-bye.
0: Ciao for now. Bye. Julio Iglesias.